Welcome to Commune, a global wellness community and online course platform featuring some of the world's greatest teachers. We are on a mission to inspire, heal, pass down wisdom, and bring the world closer together. This is the Commune Podcast, where each week we explore the ideas and practices that help us live this connected and purpose-filled life. You can check out our courses, our community, and everything we do at onecommune.com. Today's episode is an excerpt from David Kessler's Commune course, Help for the Hurting Heart, which guides you through the grieving process in a way that leaves you feeling at peace and inspired to create a life of meaning after your loss. Now, you can enjoy this program for free for five days at onecommune.com slash grief. This particular lesson discusses the topic of carried wounds, our trauma from long ago. Now, often there is an event in our childhood that occurs that becomes a story that we tell ourselves about ourselves. That narrative becomes part of our core belief system. Now, you are not the author of the facts, but you do have the power to change the story you tell yourself and other people. You can learn more about Commune at onecommune.com and connect with us on Instagram at onecommune and at Jeff Krasno. I hope you enjoy this lesson with the ever insightful David Kessler. So as we talk about these old wounds, we carry them with us. And our old wounds, we project those onto our new grief. So we have the grief, but they're also colored by our old wounds. So I can remember I was doing um, a TV show where I was counseling someone on the TV show and I didn't have a lot of time with them. And it's interesting. They said, this happened, they feel guilty. This happened, they feel guilty. This happened, they feel guilty. And I finally said to them, when was the first time you felt that much guilt in your childhood? And they're like, oh my gosh, how did you know I've always been guilty? Because that's what they were projecting onto the current grief. So a lot of times our old wounds will get projected onto our grief, onto our trauma. Wouldn't it be so great if we could like, I'm just dealing with my grief or trauma now, no, no old wounds, but they come in. What we do with our old wounds is we're constantly trying to heal them. So we project them onto situations and people all the time to keep recreating that situation to bring it up for healing. But then that also works on your grief. We are projection machines. I always say, if you spot it, you got it. We're these projection machines. We're always spotting our old wounds on the outside. And it's interesting if someone reflects that to us, how we process it. I'll give you an example. If something's an old wound, it lands. If something's not a wound of mine, it doesn't land. For example, someone says to me, you know, David, you're really cruel to animals. I'll go, I think you got the wrong David. 
No, you're cruel to animals. No, really, I'm the wrong David. Let's find that David, because that's horrible. It's just not me. I don't have a huge reaction, except let's find that person who's being cruel to animals, but it's just not me. On the other hand, if someone goes, you know, David, you can have a tone in your voice. I do not have, I do not have a tone in my book, right? Oh, it lands. I got it, right? That's one of my wounds. It's coming out. So it's interesting to see how when we have a reaction to things, that can be an indication of our old wounds. Maybe an overreaction might be a better way of saying it. We are constantly judging others with those projections. We're constantly judging ourselves. I always say you're either holding a mirror or a magnifying glass. You're really with a magnifying glass, magnifying the wounds of others or magnifying your wounds. Or you're looking at yourself and seeing it there, right? So we go back and forth. Where do these old wounds come from? What are these old wounds? In a primal way, I can tell you what your old wounds are. You're either not enough or you're too much. That's kind of our basic. They play out in a million different ways, but you're either not enough, you're just inadequate, not enough, or you are just too much. Okay. So how these play out and how I try to help people with these is to look at in our lives, usually in our childhood, there is an event. From this event, we make a conclusion. From that conclusion, we form our belief systems. So I'll walk you through an example. A woman shared with me, I think it was actually at a divorce workshop. She was five years old and her parents were getting divorced. So her parents are getting divorced and she doesn't quite understand it. And then one day she hears her dad is moving out. And her first thought is not dad. I love dad. I wish it was mom instead. I don't want dad to move out. And she sees her dad packing things up. She follows him from room to room. This little girl at five, six years old sees dad packing things up and loading them into a station wagon, gets all his stuff loaded up into a station wagon, and he's about to leave, and she's standing there watching him. And she told me, do you know how any stories or books or movies, you always think there's the moment when the person turns around and goes, don't you worry, daddy's coming back for you. Don't you worry, daddy's never forgetting you. And she said she was standing there waiting for that moment. But he just got in the car and drove away without a look back. That's the event. There weren't adults around to help this young girl process it. There was no one to say, honey, this divorce is not about you. It's impacting you. We're so sorry, but it's not about you. And daddy's leaving that way has nothing to do with you. 
It's his feelings about the anger or the failure of the marriage, whatever it is. But honey, it's not about you. She didn't have that. So what does her young mind do? It makes a conclusion. I'm not worth a look back. I'm not worth staying around for. I'm not worth being loved. And then she turns that into her belief system. Decades later, she's in this divorce workshop with me. And not only is she there to learn about her grief that she's experiencing in her divorce, but she is projecting onto this, no wonder he left. Why would anyone stay with me? I'm not lovable. Her old wounds were getting projected onto that grief. Our abandonment issues get projected onto the grief. Our past relationship wounds, our traumas can begin to shape us. You know, in some ways, I am a bit of a product of my triumphs and my wounds and everything in between. But the wounds are loud. The wounds are loud, as you know. I also think it's interesting as we talk about boundaries. When we talk about boundaries, I can remember um, I was about to embark on a 30 city book tour for my newest book. And I said to a colleague that I worked with on my team, I said, there might be one or two rare cases where something happens on a weekend. Maybe there is a big review or some news item that we might need to get posted right away. And I said, I know you don't do weekends and that's our agreement, but I'm wondering if this in this period, you would be willing to, if just one or two things came up that you'd be willing to help. And this person went, that's it, I'm done. You know, I do not ever let anyone violate my boundaries that way. I have told you over and over again. And I'm like, it just said in your contract, you don't do weekends. And I'm asking, I know, but that's why I put it in contracts because they get violated. And how dare you even ask? And I went, it was just a question. How dare you? I cannot take my boundaries being violated. And I said to him, listen, was just a question. Now, what's interesting, when I talk, thought about how he became so unhinged about it, many times when it's an old wound, it's something you could have handled with a sentence, but the old wound goes into effect, right? He actually could have said, I hear you might need something on the weekend. I'm so sorry, I'm still not up for it. So maybe there's a plan B you could figure out that's not me, but I, I'm so sorry, but I appreciate you being so respectful of my boundary and checking in with me on it. So boundaries, we often think are about the other person. They violated them. No, boundaries are about us holding our own boundary. And, you know, there's the saying in psychology about if it's hysterical, it's historical. 
And that's not meaning that anyone's hysterical in a bad way. It just means if there is an overreaction, it probably means there's some history. Someone did not respect this person's boundaries in the past. Someone probably, the just asking about changing a boundary sent this person into their past. You know, boundaries are so important. They should not be too loose and not too tight. So, but you should, you know, be able to say, I want to check in on your boundary on this to make sure we're clear. It's interesting how those old wounds play out. Like my old wound is abandonment. Oh my goodness, I would see that wound playing out over and over again in my relationships. If I went to a party and met anyone or started dating someone and they told me they had commitment issues, I was like, can we go out again? I mean, I was recreating people to abandon me again. We replay them. We project them. When we talk about our mind, I also have to mention, besides our old wounds, positive thinking. Positive thinking and positive psychology are so important. And I'm a big believer in bringing them into the world in grief and loss. It's interesting, a dear, dear friend who I've known for 30 years is Louise Hay. Louise and I knew each other before there were best-selling books and, and we knew everyone back in the day. She used to do this a Wednesday night talk that would be in a room. And on Wednesdays, if she couldn't make one, I would fill in for her. So we've known each other through the decades. And when we announced that we were doing a book on grief, people were so surprised, like, Louise, hey, positive thinking on grief? How can that be? There's, there's confusion about that. I remember years ago, probably around, I don't know, somewhere like 2012, 2014, Louise was in her 80s, very healthy. We were doing a lecture together at a big conference. So we were having lunch together before the lecture. And she said to me, um, David, I've been thinking, when I die, would you be willing to be there with me? And I said, of course, Louise, I, I would be honored. Is there anything going on? Are you ill? And she goes, no, no, my goodness, no, I'm completely healthy. But she said, I've been so committed to living fully. I want to make sure when it's my time to die fully, I do that well. And I know you know how to do that. And I want some support. And I said, absolutely. And it's interesting. I got up from that lunch thinking, all right, I can never share that with anyone. And then we get up in front of hundreds of people and Louise says, oh, I just talked to David and I asked him if he'd be there when he died, when I died. And it was so interesting to see how she did not feel like whether we're talking about those bad things in life that happen, that we can't bring our positiveness to them. When we think about positive thinking, 
I like to bring us to a very basic level, first of all, of how our thoughts work. We have no neutral thoughts. Every thought, everything we have, we bring meaning to. If I was to show you a piece of wood that had a black core and you had not been taught what it was, and I showed you this piece of wood, you might think it's a weapon, you wouldn't be sure what it is. But if you've been taught and attached the meaning that that is a pencil, you have a story now about this pencil that can solve a math equation. It can um, uh, help you with uh, uh, writing a novel. You have thoughts about everything. You have no neutral thoughts, right? So we have been raised, we do not have control over our thoughts. So if someone said to me, uh, David, that's a nice blue shirt. If I went, oh, I, 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 I don't know how it got on me. It's, it's just here. You'd be like, what? No, David, you went into your closet this morning and you chose this blue shirt. It didn't just happen to you. So this is true about our thinking. We, we've been raised. We don't have this power to choose our thinking, but we can choose our thinking. That doesn't mean we can change events that happen sometimes in our life, but we can choose the story around them. So affirmations come into this. People think about affirmations. We want to make sure an affirmation isn't pouring pink paint on some reality. You know, if I'm driving and I have a flat tire, I it's not helpful to me. It doesn't serve me to go, all right, my affirmation is I don't have a flat tire. I don't have a flat tire. I don't have a flat tire. Darn it, I still have a flat tire. But the flat tire is the fact. What I affirm after that, my thinking after that is, this is going to be hard. This is going to ruin my day, ruin my night. Or, oh good, I've got a spare. I can make this work. Right? So your thinking doesn't shift always the event, but it shifts how we feel about the event. Thanks for listening. As always, feel free to email me at jeffk at onecommune.com or follow me on Instagram at Jeff Krasman. And make my mom proud. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's all from the commune for this week. My name is Jeff Krasna, and I am here for you.